Job 10, verse 8. Your hands shaped me and made me. Will you now you turn and destroy me? First Peter 4, verse 7 through 11. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind that you must be prey. Above all, each other deeply because covers metal of sins. Offer hospitality and another grumbling. Each of you use ever get to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. If anyone speaks, they should and spoke a word of God. If anyone serves, they should do with the strength God's provide, that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Alexander. Before we get going, I, I, did, I did want to underscore uh, the small groups. Uh, there's um, different sheets of paper on a table out in the foyer, uh, different times of the small groups. There's some that will meet on Sunday mornings, uh, uh, some during uh, the 9 o'clock service, some during the 1030 service. Also, there's numerous uh, small groups that will meet Sunday nights, uh, some in people's homes, and some uh, here at the church. And then also uh, Monday night, uh, there's a small group that's being offered in a home. And also Tuesday afternoon, there's a small group being offered at Edgewood Vista. And then Wednesday night, there's a small group being offered. So just want you to uh, be aware of the different times and sign up before you leave. That'd be awesome. So today we're talking about using our abilities. Uh, and the Bible says that Alexander read in Job chapter 10, verse 8, in the NIV, God's hand shaped me and made me. In other words, God planned you for a purpose and he shaped you. And we've been using that little acrostic shape, S-H-A-P-E, to represent five things that make you, you. Five things that make you different from everybody else. And first, you know, the S we talked about a few weeks ago, spiritual gifts. And we looked at that, you know, a few weeks ago, or what am I gifted to do? And then uh, God has put in us kind of a, a unique heartbeat. You know, he's given us a heart, a passion. You know, what do I love to do? And today we're going to look at our abilities. What am I naturally able to do? What are my natural abilities and next week, we're going to look at your personality, and then uh, after that, we're going to look at the experiences that God allowed us to go through and is allowing us to go through, good, bad, and ugly, yeah, not only for our good, but for his glory. So God has given us all different abilities, and you were made to be you, and uh, God has given you unique abilities, and he wants you to use them for what he intended for you to use them. Your abilities are kind of the map to God's will for your life. It kind of points out the direction for you. Uh, when you know what you're good at, then you can know what God wants you to do with your life. In Hebrews 13, 21, it says, God will equip you with everything good for doing his will. Notice it doesn't say, oh, God will give you all the abilities you want uh, that other people have. You know, like to sing like her or to look like him or to bake like her. 
Uh, God doesn't say you can have any old ability. No, he pre-planned the abilities you were given, and he wants you to be you. And if he didn't want you to be you, he wouldn't have made you. And so he doesn't want you comparing uh, with anybody else and trying to be somebody else. You give him pleasure. You give him glory. You know, you make God smile when you use the gifts that he gave you in the way that he gave them to you. So the Bible says, I will give you everything good for doing his will. So God does not give you abilities to do something he doesn't ask you to do. On the other hand, if he asks you to do something, he always gives you the ability to do it. So how do you decide what you're supposed to do with your life? You know, like what classes should I take in school when I go off to college? Or, you know, who should I marry? That's a good one, right? Uh, what kind of career should I have? You, well, you just look at your shape. You know, function follows form. In architecture, it's the other way around, right? Form follows function. Function. Okay. What has God wired me to do and be? I mean, it points you in the right direction because, as, as I said, every ability is from God. All of them are important. It's not an accident. He intentionally picked them. My abilities match my call. In other words, in Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, it says the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. Did you get that? The gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. There are some people you hear say, well, I'm called of God to be in the ministry. I, I say that sometimes. Every believer, every person is called by God into ministry. Some people think calling is something you do if you're going to be a priest or a nun or a minister or a missionary, that God gives you a call. Every person is called by God. First, like I said at the beginning of this service, we're called to salvation. But also, we are called to serve. You have a calling on your life. You have a vocation. You have a life mission. You have a life message. You have a life goal. You have a life purpose. And that is your calling. How do you know what your calling is? You look at your shape. Look at your spiritual gifts. Look at your heart. Look at your abilities. Look at your personality. Look at all the experiences that God has allowed you to have in your life. In other words, what I'm able to do, God wants me to do with my life. And God expects you to use the God-given abilities he's given you, I think, in six ways. These are what God wants you to do with the ability he's given you. He didn't give you ability just to, to use on yourself. These are six reasons, six things that he wants you to do with your abilities. Number one, my abilities are to be used to honor the Lord. To honor God. You know, whether it's uh, embalming or embroidering, uh, they're to be used to honor God. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. That means any abilities that you have can be used for God's glory. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. They are all important. Carpentry is as important as teaching. Masonry is as important as, t as preaching. Managing is as important as music. They're all important. There are no unimportant abilities. And God said, I spread them all out and they're all important to me. That means you can honor God by 
repairing cars. You can honor God by balancing books. You can honor God by helping people find a home and then sell it to them. You can honor God by making music or making meals or managing your office or a million other ways. Whatever you do, he says, do it for the Lord as if you're doing it for God and not just for man. He says, do it for God's honor. He says, not only that I give you abilities to honor me, but number two, to serve others. The abilities that God has given you should be used to serve others, to benefit other people. And God says, they're not just for your benefit. And it's what Alexander read in 1 Peter chapter 4. In verse 10, it says, every one of you should use whatever gift he has received to make a ton of money. No, that's the, that's the reviled, substandard perversion translation. You know, every one of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve others and to faithfully administer God's grace in its various forms. So with your abilities, you don't just honor God but you serve other people, and nobody's good at everything, except Javier Baez, uh, that guy that plays on the Cubs. He can play anywhere. But what that means is you need me, and I need you. You need the person sitting next to you. They need you and other people. Nobody has every talent. There are no superstar perfection people who can say to the world, you know, I don't need anybody else. The person who says that doesn't realize how needy they really are. We need each other. And we, I've said this so often, you know, we're better together. I need you in my life. You need me in your life. We need each other. I'm good at some things. You're good at some things. And the people next to you are also good at some things. And that's why you need a small group. And that's why you need a church family. It's called the body of Christ. And that's why it works good in teams. We need each other. We're better together. Again, I just refer you to the sign-up sheet for the small groups today. Starting the week of September 9th, going to October 21st. Think of marriage. You know, think of, of most marriages. I mean, think of my marriage. You know, I got married. We're, we're really different. Did you know that? Yeah. In marriage, uh, we're put together to complement each other's strengths and also to compensate for each other's weaknesses. And what happens if we don't compensate for each other's weaknesses? Then we start to criticize each other's weaknesses. And that's not what marriage is for. You know, you married a sinner. And she married a bigger one, right? And you put two sinners together, and how can you really have a perfect relationship? There are no perfect relationships. Everybody's got weaknesses. In a marriage, you complement each other, other's strengths, and you, you compensate for each other's weaknesses. And that's the, way, that's the way it should be in a church, too. We should appreciate each other and value each other because we're all different. And we need each other. So God says, I expect you to use your abilities, first of all, to honor me, and second of all, to serve others, and then number three, to make a living. 
Yeah, to make a living. God says, use your abilities in order to make a living. I don't want you, you know, mooching off other people. <laughs> I want you to be self-supporting. I, I don't want you to be a parasite, not depending really on other people. God says, if you can work, you should work. And some people can't, right, because of disabilities, uh, problems, circumstances. But if you can work, you should. And he says, I want you to use your abilities to make a living. And you need to realize, right, that in the 21st century, people are going to live a whole lot longer than their parents did, which means in all likelihood, you're going to have at least two careers in your lifetime. Some people say six or seven. A lot of times people only had one career because they died when they're in their 40s. Or even in their 30s for centuries. But now people are living longer and longer. In all likelihood, you're going to have at least two different careers in your lifetime. And he says, I want you to make a, love, a living. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, it says this in the NIV. It says, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. You know, that was written to Israel, but... Can't that be applied to us? Producing wealth is an ability. Some of you are really good at this. You have a natural ability. God has gifted you maybe with a great business sense, and you're just naturally good at making money. That's your ability. So can you make money to the glory of God? Of course you can. You can do anything to the glory of God. You can make money to the glory of God if you're honoring him, if you're grateful to him, you're tithing, uh, you're living ethically, and you're doing it for his glory. God has given some of you the amazing, you know, business-like minds and skills because he wants you to fund kingdom projects at Calvary and all around the world, and that's why he's given you that ability. So you should uh, use your abilities also, number four, to be an example to others. Think about that. God says, I want you to be a witness. You know, I want you to be a testimony. I want you to be an example to other people. First Timothy 4, the Apostle Paul is talking to his son in the faith, young Timothy. And he says, be diligent in these matters. Give yourselves wholly to them so that everyone May see your progress. You know, do you know that God wants people to notice your good work? Yeah. You know, let's, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify you? No. Glorify your Father in heaven. He says, I want, I want people to see how gifted you know, what abilities you have. I want them to see your improvement. I want them to see your progress and how you're developing those skills and the abilities and the talents that I gave you. And he says, that makes me look good <laughs> as your heavenly father. I want people to notice. I want people to know that my children, that people who are part of the family of God are the best workers on the planet. They're, they're reliable. They're hardworking. They've got some integrity they're dependable. They're skilled. I want you to be an example to others. And when you mess up, you, you're the first one to admit it. Number five, God says, I want you to use your abilities, your skills, to have money to share. And I'm so thankful for this church. I'm so thankful for 
the way you've been so generous with our outreach of the months and with uh, the, the vision that Pastor Abednego has for that uh, Liberian Children's Feeding Center and so many other things. I'm so thankful for that. But God says, I want you to use your abilities so that you can have money to share, to have money to share with people who can't work or who are poor. You know, for one reason or another, they're poor. And maybe they've had a crisis in their life. And maybe they've had a tragedy. Maybe they've grown up where there isn't a lot of food around, like the, like the kids in Liberia, where, where Abednego is, is thinking about and what has touched his heart. In Ephesians 4.28, it says, He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but, but must work doing something useful with his hands with his own hands, that he might have something to share with those in need. At some point, you have to decide what's enough for you. Enough is enough. How do you know when enough is enough in the United States of America? Somebody asked Howard Hughes that. How much do you need? He said, just a little bit more. (laughs) It's called materialism. Materialism is when you haven't learned to live within your income. You always have to have a little bit more. It's interesting how you're now barely surviving on an income that you once dreamed of having. Your expenses always go up with your income. And God says at some point, you've just got to say to your own heart, you know, I've got enough. I am satisfied. I'm satisfied with what I have. Do you stop working then? No way. You keep working, but now you're making money so you can give it away. You're making it to share with other people. Generous to those who are in need. Don't have a stingy heart. The way you handle the money you make from your abilities, the money that comes in because of your abilities, the way you handle money, it's like a, it's like a trigger It triggers God. How many of you would like God's blessing in everything you do, in all of your work, in all of your ventures? How many would like God's blessing there? Of course, I think we all would. I know I would. And it says there's like a, a trigger that actually triggers God's blessing on your life. And what is it? I think it's generosity. And I think that's why the Lord is blessing Calvary in some ways, because In many ways, many of you have been generous people. Generosity, it triggers God's blessing. Why? Because God is generous. That's why. Everything you have in life is a gift of God's generosity. You'd have nothing without God's generosity. God says, I want you to learn to be like me, like father, like son, like like father, like daughter. I want you, my children, to have my qualities And you're never going to be like Jesus until you learn generosity and you stop being stingy. So God says, I want you to learn to be generous. And when you're generous, it triggers God's blessing in your life. There's an awesome example in the New Testament. You know, the early church, you know, right after Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and uh, started empowering them to go out and to be witnesses, not only in Jerusalem, but Judea and Samaria and even to the uttermost parts of the earth. It says in in Acts chapter 2, selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone 
as he had need. And I, oh, that sounds like communism. That's not communism. That's, they were voluntarily doing this. Nobody was twisting their arms. They just gave. And then another, uh, in, in uh, Acts chapter 4, it says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them. There's that blessing. There were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them. They brought the money from the sales, put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. I believe the more generous you are, the more God blesses your life. He says, I've given you this ability to honor me, to serve others, to make a living, to be an example, to have money to pass on to others who don't have any money. And then, number six, to build up the church. That's the sixth reason, to build up the church. What is the church? It's the family of God. It's you guys. It's the body of Christ. In Ephesians 4, it says that he gives uh, people like prophets and pastors and, and teachers and evangelists and apostles. He gives these people to the church to do what? to equip, to prepare God's people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Did you know that God expects you to use your abilities to help your church family? That's why I'm gonna put all these sheets on the wall in the next couple weeks. I don't know if you're doing that or not, but God expects you to. It's one of the six reasons he gave you abilities to help your church family in some way, and so I want you to take that colored sheet home, and I want you to pray over that, and see where God is calling you to minister in this congregation. There's no talent that you've got that could not be used in this church. In fact, God places specifically in each church the talent that he knows that church is gonna need. Have you ever thought about why, you know, why, why am I here? I mean, why am I in, at Calvary, uh, United Methodist Church? I mean, out of all the Hundreds of people that God could have put at Calvary Church. He put you here. Why? Because you have something to offer that this church family, your church family, needs. Nobody else can offer it like you can. He knows exactly who's here because he knows exactly what he wants to do through this particular church. I mean, I, sometimes I stand out here, I look at all your faces, I look at you know, the, all the talent uh, here at Calvary. I know every week sitting out here in our worship service is an enormous amounts of talents and abilities and, and I, sometimes I don't know about it. And other leaders don't really know about it. The other church leaders don't know about it unless you come forward. In volunteering in some way, we, we don't ever know what happens. Well, you get cheated. The church gets cheated. The world gets cheated. You get cheated out of the rewards that God wants to give you. The church gets cheated of the talent, and the world gets cheated of the way the church can impact the world. How can your abilities make a difference in this place? Of the six things that God gives you your abilities to do, 
you know, to honor him, to serve others, to make a living, to be an example, to have some money, to give to people who don't have any money, and to help your church grow. What if you don't use your ability in these six ways? Well, you lose, and the world loses, and this church loses, but you lose, and you not only lose, you, you not only lose your, uh, your reward, possibly, in heaven, but you could lose your talent. You know, there's a universal law of life that says if you don't use it, right, you lose it. And Jesus said it like this in Matthew 25, 28. Take the talent from him who didn't use it and give it to the one who has 10 talents. God has the right to take anything back, anything that I don't use properly. And if I don't use what he's given me in the right way for the right reason, he can take it back. And Jesus said, to, much is, to, to who much is given, much is required. It's a universal law. If I don't use them, that is my talents. I lose them. That's true in every area of life. If you don't use, if you don't use a muscle, right, you lose your muscle. If you don't use your talent in practice and keep it up, you lose your talent. If you don't, you know, if you don't use your mind, you know, keep those crossword puzzles going, right? <laughs> You know, if you don't use your mind and keep it going, keep it active, your mind is going to become dull, and you're going to lose your mental capacity, and if you don't use it, you lose it. Employers, if you don't use the talent of the people at work, you lose those people. They're not going to hang out in a place that doesn't use their talent, and it's true of a church. All of us have unused abilities. You do, I do, everybody does. Let's look real quickly at using your abilities. Three things quickly. How to use your abilities the way God wants you to use them. You know, let's just say we estimate, we dedicate, and we cultivate. First of all, we estimate. You know, Romans 12, 3, and we mentioned this a few weeks ago. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment, with the same measure of faith God has given you. That means, you know, kind of take an inventory, do an assessment of your life. What am I good at? Do an audit, really, of your abilities. Make a list. I mean, if there's one thing I could say to young people today, if you want to prepare for the future, here it is. Know your strengths. Know your weaknesses. You need to know your strengths. And if you're, if, if you're going to be effective in, in, in the 21st century, you've got to know your strengths. Use them. Estimate your capabilities by the light of faith that God has given you. Parents, I think that's one key. Uh, when you're parenting your kids. Help your kids understand, you know, who they are and their shape, their spiritual gifts, their heart, their abilities, their personalities, their experiences, what they're good at. I think there's a myth that uh, we're all aware of our own abilities. I don't, think, I don't think we are. You're only aware of some of your abilities. You have far more abilities than you think you have, and you don't even know them. I mean, many, many talents. I mean, if you're a good manager, the, the trait of a good manager is to is the ability to recognize ability. And that makes a good manager. The ability to recognize ability. And if you're a parent, look for the abilities of your kids and then just point them out to your kids. So if you're gonna use your abilities, estimate them. And then secondly, we need to dedicate them. We need to dedicate them back to God. Commit them to God for the use that he intended. And Romans 12, verse 1, it says, offer your, yourselves, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing 
to God. And you say, God, you gave me these abilities. And now I'm going to give them back to you, God. I want to use them for the six reasons that you gave them to me. 2 Timothy 2.21. It says, if a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. In another version, it says, if you stay away from sin, Christ himself can use you for his highest purposes. God-given abilities can be used for the wrong purpose, can't they? I mean, a God-given ability can be used for the wrong reason. I mean, you can be a, a fantastic, brilliant organizer, and you can either organize a rescue or you can organize a robbery, right? I mean, there's plenty of brilliant criminals, and they're using their God-given abilities, and God gave them ability to think through things, how to solve things. They're just using them for selfish reasons, selfish purposes. So sharpening your skill, I think, is an important thing. Don't use them for selfish reasons, but for unselfish reasons. And if you want a good example of this, there's a guy in the Old Testament, and he had long hair, he's real strong. His name's Samson, remember him? Old Samson, probably one of the most talented guys in the Old Testament. He wasted his life. He wasted his ability and he blew it mainly because of sex. You're going to use your abilities, estimate them, dedicate them, and last, cultivate them. Cultivate your abilities. That means practice, improve, sharpen, develop, cultivate. Any ability that God has given you can be increased with use and with practice. And the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 10.10, if the axe is dull and its edge is unsharpened, more strength is needed. But skill will bring success. So, I mean, do we want to be successful in the eyes of God? It takes skill. And how do you get skill? It takes practice. And he says, you need to sharpen your axe. A dull axe takes more energy, doesn't it? He says, work smarter, not harder. Sharpen your axe, and then you can be more successful in life. Sharpen your abilities, your aptitudes, your skills. That's a spiritual responsibility. And you never waste time. Right when you stop to sharpen the axe. Bottom line, and we'll be done. God has made, I think, an enormous investment in us and in you. He created you. He shaped you. He put spiritual gifts and heart and abilities and passions and experiences and all these things he put in you and then he sent Jesus to die for you, to die for your sins. And he's made this incredible investment in your life. And I think he expects a return on the investment. And he's going to ask you one day, what did you do with what you, with what you were giving? Did you use your abilities to honor me? Did you use them to serve others? Did you use those abilities to make a living, to be an example? Did you use them to help other people? Did you use them to help out the church? Did you use them to make more money to give away? What did you do with what you were given? I think God expects a return in that investment. And one day Jesus is going to call you home. And you're going to die, or he's going to come back first. And in Luke chapter 12, Jesus said this, when the master comes back and he finds his servant doing his work, in other words, what you were gifted and shaped and able to do, that servant will be blessed. And I want you 
to have that kind of a blessing. It'll be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. So when that time comes in your life, and I don't want God to find you just lounging around, wasting your time, wasting your talent. I want him to find you using your abilities in these six ways. So let's pray together. God, I want to thank you for your grace and your love. And Lord, everything we have comes from you. Lord, you made us all unique and special. I want you to thank God right now. Just thank him for the abilities that he's given you. Say, God, I don't even know all the abilities that I've got, but I want to thank you for them. Help me to discover them. Today, I just dedicate them back to you. I want to use what you've given me for your purposes. I want to cultivate them. I want to get better at what I'm doing. I want to honor you. I want to, I want to be the best that I can be through the power of your Holy Spirit. I want to use my abilities to honor you, to serve others, to make a living, to be an example. I want to use my abilities. I want to use them to have money, to share with those who are poor, and to help my church grow and to reach out. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.